welcome to Retro Encounter episode 179. This week we're talking about Lufia 2, Rise of the Sinistrals. Joining me today are Catherine Lynn Courtbelly. Ayo! And Zach Wilkerson. Hey there. And I'm Leona McCallum. And this, I'll be completely honest, is take two of this podcast. <laughs> last, <laughs> last week we recorded the entire thing and I messed it up. The, the file got corrupted. So we're redoing it. But it's okay, it'll be even better this time, right guys? Yeah, exactly. Always good. So some background on Lufia 2. It's a SNES RPG, Super Nintendo, and I would say it's it's a highly acclaimed one. Like it usually has really good scores, but it's one of the lesser known games, I feel. I agree because I think state-wise, at least here in North America, it wasn't as well known. Mm-hmm. But knowing that if you've played it, you will really cherish the simplicity, but also the very compelling story along with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's often like in the same conversation as like Final Fantasy three or mm-hmm. Chrono Trigger. But outside of that, I think it's probably one of the best Super Nintendo games. So yeah, yeah. When you get those games out of the way, then you start seeing the Lufia two appear on the right. list. Yeah, right. It- it's a hidden unknown gem amongst gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually your favorite game, Kat? Am I right? It's like it's a hundred percent my favorite RPG of all time. I don't care what kind of modern day stuff we have. Nothing can take <laughs> me away from Lufia Two. Being one of the first RPGs, let alone games I ever completed as a kid, it doesn't get old. There is so much you can do in the game that you can spend hours on, you can speed run it. There's so much potential that this game can keep me coming back. Mm-hmm. Hence one of the probably million reasons why it is my favorite RPG of all time. I actually just watched like a speed run of the game just before we started recording to refresh my memory. It's like, oh, this is great. I should do this more often for the podcast. You know, just watch someone like get the entire <laughs> game completed in five hours. A game that took me 50, you know? <laughs> yeah, how fast were they able to do the part that we did? Uh, the video was 10 hours long. So I'd say they got wow. to like the halfway mark in about four and a half hours. I think or current like records are anywhere between about three to five hours. That's so crazy. Oh my, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, how do they do it? I don't know. But more commonly, you'll see the people speedrun the ancient cave. Mm, and that's a fun side game that happens oh, in the game. It's my gambling in the game. <laughs> so, how, how, how many times have you beat it, Kat? Yeah. The ancient uh, I had to have like at least a group of hands to be able to count those fingers. <laughs> that, that's more attempts. Completing it is probably maybe about one or two hands. Attempts is a group of hands. Oh wow! So it's okay. quite it's quite a hard like challenge. The ancient cave. Yeah, <laughs> I've never done it. I've played this game a bunch of times and I've never done it. Yeah, I've never completed it. I've well, attempted it. I had a good time here today. Now <laughs> <laughs> you're showing us up, cat. <laughs> no, one of the reasons why the game is so good, but we'll cover it later on. Yes. So what about you, Zach? What's your history with Lufia? Kind of an old man, but I played Lufia 1 um, before Lufia 2 came out. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was really excited for Lufia 2. I think I got it for Christmas, and then I played the heck out of it, because back then when you got an RPG, you played it a bunch of times because you didn't have a lot of other RPGs to play. Yeah, you, um, you got an RPG and, and then you ignored your family for the rest of the Christmas day. That's just how it which went. is <laughs> always the right move, yes. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, it was actually for probably about a couple of years I would have called it my favorite RPG as well until Final Fantasy VII came out. But mm-hmm. um, it, It's better than Final Fantasy VII, but I was a kid. What can I say? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bruce. Um, yeah, um, so yeah, I, I, I was super excited about it. I thought it was an amazing game when it came out. And I... Um, I liked Lufia 1 as well, but Lufia 2 is just way better. Yeah, so Lufia 1 is a little more rough around the edges, obviously, because it came before. But Lufia 2 really is a very, a very streamlined game. It's very it's very good at what it does. And it actually, yeah. Lufia 2 actually shows the main characters of Lufia... Uh, sorry, Lufia 1 shows the main characters of Lufia 2 at the very start of that game in a sort mm-hmm. of prophecy that happens in the game. You know, an ancient tale of these heroes who defeated the big bad Sinistrals. Yeah, I mean, Lufia 1, you actually play, I think it's either the grandson or the great-grandson of Maxim and Salon. Mm. Um, and so they're like, they're like these characters of legend sort of throughout Lufia 1. And so it was really cool to play Lufia 2. It was sort of like if like Lunar had a uh, prequel with like Dine and Galleon. Um, sort of think of it like that. 
Um, and it was super exciting, especially for me as a kid. I know a lot of people would love a Lufia 2 sequel with Dane and Gally. <laughs> well, it also reminds me, too, of like how Mother and Earthbound are. It's like Mother was very unknown to the people, but as soon as the sequel from Mother 2 or Earthbound came out, the graphics were updated, mm-hmm. the combat was better. It's like you know more about probably the sequels than you even knew about the beginning origins of some games like this. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're quite right. Uh so, talking about actual Lufia 2 itself, um, I've talked to how streamlined the game is, and I feel like that really shows in the battle system and how clean and how quick it is compared to even modern-day RPGs, which are still very menu-based. Lufia 2 takes this approach where commands on your D-pad, kind of like how Persona 5 did it, if we're honest, like left is defend, right is attack... Mm-hmm. And down as item, it look, and it's like very ahead of its time, I'd say, in the in terms of UI in the battle. I agree because then also the options of using your Akira points versus mm-hmm. uh, comparing to like what items or what equipments you have will enhance your skills and also better um, choices when facing a boss or any common enemies. So that Akira points was one of my favorite aspects of the battle system. Absolutely, Akira points are are like. A, secondary sort of resource that you can accumulate by taking damage kind of like what limit breaks are in Final Fantasy you you take damage your your bar fills up and then you can spend those points but un- unlike say Final Fantasy 7 it's where it was all or nothing some Akira points are cheaper some are more expensive and more powerful and it's, it's quite a fun system to play around with I'm just like on in my head like Gloom Splash and Blaze Attack. It's like, oh, those are, good. Those are such good skills. Um, so and, and it's a nice thing because it gives you like a nice little degree of customization if you come across a really hard boss. And I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but there's one where if you don't have the Fire Dagger equipped, it's much more difficult. And so it gives you that nice degree of customization in a game where you don't really have a lot of party choice. Um, and so it's streamlined, but also um, just a tiny bit of customization, which is cool. Yeah, because the Akira points are tied to the equipment that you're wearing at the time. So if you're wearing a helmet, that might have an ability attached to it that lets you slow down the enemy's uh, movement so you can take more turns or quicker turns against them. Or what you can wear a piece of armor that has a healing effect attached to it that can let, like, say, Maxim, who isn't, like, a, I would say a classical healer, he can heal his party if he needed to in a, in a pinch. And it really lends a lot of um, diversity to the team and a lot more fun, I think. Yeah, I mean, some of the IQ points can also give attributes that some characters don't have, such mm-hmm. as, we'll mention uh, later on here, that some don't use magic at all. Nope. So by having certain equipments, they can use and or spells to heal, to cure ailments. It's just really cool of a concept. Yeah. And another aspect of the battle system that is, I would say, a semi-big part are the capsule monsters that you can get. So capsule monsters are the a fifth party member that you do not control, and you find them in... I'd say they're, they're secret parts of the dungeons. You can find these capsule monsters, and they can join your team kind of like Pokemon or other, other sort of uh, monster-raising games. You they can... just mainly evolve into something you would never expect. Like, you, like <laughs> except for Fumi, I'm sorry. Fumi Gels is the only one that actually goes into a sequence most of the part until it's master class. And then it's like, how did it become a big giant thing of bubbles to a Kitsune? <laughs> how the hell did you do that? Uh... I'm only up to this stage with Fumi where he just gets he just becomes more bubbles. So I thought this his final form would be just a bubble bath or something like that. <laughs> and, and that's what like all the other ones don't make sense either. Like they just go from what example? Like you take um, uh, I'm trying to just look at them again real fa- fast. Like you have the redfish. The redfish when he gets his level up becomes a toady. So how does a fish become a frog? And well, then it just gets. Have you have, have you heard about this thing called evolution? <laughs> you evolve them by jamming swords down their throats. Yes. <laughs> Get That's... them drunk on apple ciders and hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how you raise these monsters, as Kyle said, as oh sorry, Zach says, as um, you feed your capsule monster items in your inventory that you don't necessarily need anymore. But if they like them enough, a little bar will increase until it eventually reaches maximum. 
and then they will evolve to their next more powerful stage. It's not an important part of the game that you need to raise these monsters, but it definitely helps because they can soak up a lot of damage from bosses and uh, their attacks can just come in good in a pinch because some, when they decide to use them and not run away from the battle, <laughs> they, they can be quite powerful. No, I was going to say that I wish there was a little more direction in terms of like how you actually make them evolve, because there were times where I'm like, oh, I oh, yeah. took like, this powerful sword and I shoved it down their throat. Yeah. And uh, you just said, ugh, yuck. I'm like, what? I know, Would you, you like my sword? I just fed you. Ungrateful little... <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the RNG that they are from their attacks. They're going to be RNG fed as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, too, you got to be cautious because, like, I remember times of I've played it where I've had my assortment of items galore, and if I don't watch what I'm doing and get rid of something valuable like a Gage Blade, dang, I had to start my game over where my last save point is because it, it's just rather quick. You can just hit a a a a a a and just go for all your items, but mm-hmm. you got to be cautious of which ones you actually do sacrifice. Oh yeah, when you're feeding like a big bunch of items, don't have like your rare <laughs> miracles or whatever right <laughs> below them, you know. You- uh, so another large part of the game are, are puzzles and dungeons and puzzles. I'd say it's a very, it's like of an era where you weren't an RPG unless you had really cool puzzles in your dungeons. Mm-hmm. And Lufia 2 really stands out as having some very clever puzzles, I think. <laughs> puzzles that we can be stuck on for minutes to hours <laughs> to days to years. <laughs> Because when most of us probably played this, we didn't have the internet. There was no walkthrough for this game. It's either your own skills, your friend who's done it. It it is a pain in the butt. Yeah, there's one in the late game that I know took me three days the first time I played through this game. I I mean, I was 11, but still, um, without the internet, it was much harder. It's like I'm trying to think. Is it, is it the firebush one? Is it the pots in the dirt? There's like a, I'm trying to figure out which one. My, my PTSD isn't so strong that I remember exactly, but um, I will <laughs> when we get there. Uh, um, see, I've I've actually discovered on this playthrough that I didn't actually finish this game like I thought I did. I actually only reached the halfway point where we're talking up to. So you, these all these puzzles you guys are talking about, I have yet to suffer. I have yet to truly know the meaning of suffering. Oh, it's going to be a good conversation <laughs> those days. Uh, um, but I mean, like, like one of the infamous ones is the gold red tiles, where you have to move the yes. tiles either one or two of the same color with only a certain amount of moves in order for all of them to be the same color. Mm-hmm. First one's easy. There's four of them. You move one to the end, bam, you're cleared. The other one's at more of a diagonal plane, uh, plane so you got to kind of line it up just right. The, uh, the last one is you have, I think it's eight tiles, and you have to make this weird combination, and that's a lot of rage quits there yeah, trying to figure oh, yeah. that out. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. I, I got that far, and oh, my God. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. got, I got my boyfriend in on it and he couldn't figure it out I was just like oh this is to YouTube to YouTube we yep. go yeah full confession I've probably done that puzzle a dozen times in my life and I, I YouTube it this time there's no way I was like I don't, I don't have time for this it's life's not too short <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> get happening. easier so, puzzle solving in this game has, has got an extra dimension for the fact that you can use different tools and you acquire different tools, sort of Zelda-like, I guess, yeah. and and you end the dungeons that help you solve these puzzles. Like the first tool you get is a is an arrow that you can fire, and the arrow kind of does two things. One, you can use it against enemies, and it will stun them. Oh, enemies are also on the field, by the way, so it's like the fully uh, non-random battles. You can avoid these battles very easily, I think, compared to other games, uh, even games like. I think we talked last time on the Lost podcast that games like Chrono Trigger aren't really random battle-free because there are a lot of forced battles in that game. Mm-hmm. But I'd say Lufia 2 does it really well. We're making, if you wanted to, outside of the world map, avoid every battle if you wanted to. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, in like more modern games that try to add um, the battles on the field, I feel like even there, they're you know less avoidable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about like Dragon Quest Seven, which they did that for, and like the battles are totally not avoidable. But um, here, I, I think it was the outside of Chrono Trigger. I think it's the first one to have done it, and I think it does it actually much better than Chrono Trigger, which might be sacrilege, but um, I think oh, they I do agree. a better job yeah, of it here. 
Well, also with the monsters, too, if their movements, some have unique patterns to mm-hmm. where, like, the scorpions, if you encounter them, you move one way, they go another direction. So that's kind of neat. But you have also some that have a faster range, such as your ninjas and assassins. And those because- horses. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I can never avoid those horses. Yes, those are the but ones that just charge you, straight for you, right? Or those yep. are the bulls as well. I think they do. Um, that. The, the buffaloes can do that too, yeah. but it's mainly more, I would say, the ninjas and the assassins who get pretty much three movements per your one. And even stunning them may not help you not get through that counter. So I would say most counters, if not all, are avoidable, but those ones are tricky to get mm-hmm. through. Yeah. Uh, so going back to tools, the first one you get is an arrow and we talk that helps you a lot if you want to avoid battles, I think. But it also lets you, say, push uh, levers that are far away and you can't reach them, so it'll trigger a change in the dungeon. And uh, it, it comes up a lot, the arrow comes up a lot in helping you uh, solve puzzles, but there's also the bomb, which I think is involved in a lot of the more frustrating puzzles i think oh yes those two <laughs> arrows where you have to make all the tiles the same color yes uh-huh. oh yeah, yeah we're... Mm-hmm. oh i know that castle <laughs> <laughs> um and also you can use the bomb to like discover hidden debris so like i remember at one point i was stuck in a, a dungeon and i realized oh there's a big pile of skeleton bones here i guess i'll try using the bomb to blow them up and then would you know there's a switch underneath the skeleton bones and also you can use them against like broken pillars and it'll make this is kind of cool when you use them on pillars you can break the pillars and like, oh, a whole floor of what was above will fall down I, I know the scene you're talking about I know yeah. the exact one that's a very that was a very cool uh, use of the, the bomb I think yeah, one of the other skills that we do get as well is resets, which I find to be a huge benefit for a lot of first timers who've ever played the game yes very mainly necessary. Mainly Reset's property lets you reset the current dungeon floor you're on back to how it was. So say you're doing one of the frustrating puzzles and you messed up entirely. Rather than having to leave the whole um, castle building wherever you're at, that might be more common in some RPGs. But Mm -hmm. Lufia 2 gains you access to Reset, where it just resets that floor you're on and everything's back to the way when you first entered. So that's a nice, huge benefit. And I got a lot of use in it on those uh, puzzles where you have to turn them all a, a certain color. Like, oh, yeah. oh, well, I just messed that up. Or I picked up the wrong block, immediately reset. You know, it saves <laughs> you so much time. <laughs> the game would be quite frustrating without the reset spell. Agree. Yes. Um, what are the other tools we got after that? Is it Do you get the chain after that? After the, the box? Hook- I always call it a hookshot. Hookshot, yeah. No, I think that's the official name. I just call it the chain. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the hookshot is where we um, go into um, the one castle or the one tower where we uh, fight Gades mm-hmm. for the first time. I believe that's where we get it. Mm-hmm. And we use that to pull ourselves to places that, that usually over a gap. You'll fire the hookshot, grab, grab a pillar, pull yourself along, and get to a, an area you couldn't reach before. Sort of like, uh, that's actually one item that you can use to go back to old dungeons and go find some other items that you missed. Like, how do I get that? Yeah. Um, so I like the sort of like Metroidvania element of the, uh, of the hookshot. I know, I know for a fact, thinking back to my memory, I saw a chest with a little pillar next to it over some water in yep. an earlier dungeon. <laughs> and I know I'm going to have to go back there. <laughs> but it's okay because you get the warp spell. So you can kind of go wherever you want in the world very easily. And then the hookshot has the same properties of an arrow. You can use it to stun an enemy as well. Yes, yes. And you also have a sword. I forgot to mention that. It's also your, one of your, your basic bush, tools. Your bush cutter. Yes. <laughs> I will say that I have a compulsion to trim every bush in this game. Not a bush goes un, untrimmed, unpruned. <laughs> Except the bushes that do respawn. Oh, yeah. Those make me sad. <laughs> I, just want a, I just want a clean, tidy dungeon. And you're making it very hard. <laughs> Uh, and I think the respawning bushes were one of the, the more tricky puzzles, I felt. Um, oh, yeah. to, get, to get a certain chest, or I don't know if it was even to progress the dungeon entirely. You ha- I think it was for one chest, yeah. Was it one chest, yeah. So yeah. Like, you can cut a bush, but as soon as you move, or within two steps, that bush is back. And the yeah, chest is covered in these bushes. And you're like, how am I supposed to get there? 
Yeah, there's at least two puzzles I know involve the regrowing bushes. Yeah, so you have to use a mixture of using your sword to cut them and also bombs to time explosions to get rid of them as well. I think that's yeah. how we solved it. And the way you play, where you have to actually place the bomb is not what you would expect. Uh, yes. or, or I'm just bad at geometry, one or the other, probably both. But um, yeah, so it was, uh, it was that was a tricky puzzle, yeah. Mm-hmm. And did we get any other tools after the hookshot? Uh, the fire arrow. I fire think. arrow, yes. Yeah. I wasn't sure if we were going to go that far since we're only covering a certain portion, but yes, the fire arrow. I think we get it before the Yeah. Okay, I thought we'd get it within the second part, but cool fire arrow, yes! <laughs> <laughs> so, I hate, so the amazing thing about the fire arrow is that it is an arrow and it is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> Would you agree about the fire arrow being an arrow on fire? <laughs> well, I mean, it also serves a purpose of rather than using your sword to get rid of bushes, you can just mm-hmm. mainly clear a whole row with one fire arrow. Yes, it's also a weed whacker. Much more. A, ra- a ranged we- weed whacker. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Some people throwing their weed whackers at the wall. <laughs> That's what I do every time I use a weed whacker. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm never mowing my lawn. I'm scared of weed whackers. I'm afraid I'm going to get hit by that little plastic rope thing that goes on it. I'm so scared. I know. It's going to cut your ankle. I know! (laughs) So, is there any other... Before we jump into the real meat of the game, which is the characters and the plot, is there anything about the dungeons or the battle system you guys want to talk about? We we forgot one of the items! We forgot forgot an item? the hammer. That's too oh. late. We don't have the hammer yet. That's the <laughs> one we don't have yet. See, okay, oh. okay, it was that one. Oh. <laughs> Darn. Like... Rain well, your horses. It, and you can anticipate <laughs> on the next part, there's a hammer involved. Ooh. Oh my god, join us next time to talk about a hammer, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only thing I'll say is that I think that the nice, the thing that makes this game work so well, because um, we'll get to the plot in a moment here, but like, it's a lot of a dungeon time in this game, like more than uh-huh. normal. Oh, yeah. um, but because the battle system moves so quickly, and because the puzzles are so varied, even though like you're in dungeons and places that feel somewhat and similar, it gives it a nice feel of variety that I don't think um, other games had. And I actually think that's the thing that makes this game work so well is just sort of like that variety and that quickness and how the plot moves. I mean, I was playing it, like, after two hours, I've, like, done, like, six dungeons. Uh-huh. What? Um, and so I think that, um, you know, it, it, it respects your time, but it also gives you a nice variety of things to do. I, yes. I agree with that a lot. Because, like, when I think back to this game from my childhood and when I played it, and then I played it for this podcast. I feel, I was like, I cannot believe I'm up to the catfish already. And it's only been like five minutes. I, I remember the right. catfish being like a, a mid-game boss for me. It <laughs> took me forever as a, as a child. But no, it's, it's, it's like one of the first bosses you ever fight. So it's like, it really does move along very quickly. So the general plot of the game is we are following our hero, Maxim who is a slick, haired, ginger monster hunter. <laughs> do, you know, do you know, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to say that Maxim, I bet, is one of those people who deny being ginger and call themselves like strawberry blonde or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see more of a crimson, though. I mean, that's a very vibrant red. It, it's not a red that exists in real life. We'll just say that. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> But, yeah, I think he. I think he'd say crimson for sure. Yeah, yeah, crimson haired hero. <laughs> he lives in a small town of El Cid, and he is. I think his job is a monster hunter. He goes out, he takes care of the the monsters around town, makes everything safe, brings them back, sells the corpses, and or the or the pelts or the furs or whatever it is, and then that's his living. Or and up until the very start of the game, where it's been told to us that monsters are increasing. You, you 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 sell your your monsters to Tia, who is another party member that we have. Um, oh my god, Cat! Please, <laughs> lean in. Your hatred for Tia. I'm with Cat. <laughs> Guys, she's not that bad. <laughs> okay, you're right. She's not that bad. She doesn't have a personality. Oh, we horse, we horse tie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Her only purpose is to heal and use magic. That's about it. But Next she, she character. She also has the fire spell. It's, it hand, comes in handy. Uh, but I can, Maxim can learn certain spells too. Yeah. He's a bit of an certain. All, he's, a, he's our all-rounder character. Well, Tia is more focused on the magic side of it. But not super focused into it to the point where Ceylon is safe, for instance. Um, but Tia, you could describe her as a childhood sweetheart of Maxim. I'm, I'm going to say it again from last time, too. She is a thirsty woman in this oh, game for Max. I'm 100% so thirsty. thirsty for him. <laughs> she makes it clear. Like, oh my god, does she make it clear? And Maxim is either oblivious or pretending not to see it. <laughs> it's literally the only thing she ever talks about. Oh, Maxim, why won't you love me? Oh, Maxim, oh, Maxim. She doesn't talk about anything else. Stalker alert. Wee-oo, wee-oo. Maxim's like, you You weren't in the foreshadowing in the first game. Sorry, Tia, we can't be together. Right. Like I said, uh, overall, Tia is... Oh, gosh, I would probably say at my bottom tier of, my, of any of the characters in this game. No, no offense... She just doesn't have the same story development as other characters do in the game. She has maybe one pivotal point towards mm-hmm. the end, but other than that, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, she's I, outside of this, her sort of being an accessory in this game. I mean, I think that especially if you play Lufia one, you know at the beginning of the game that Maxim's not going to end up with her. So I think she just mostly functions as a counterpoint to Salon. Yes. Um, basically it um she doesn't serve any other functions so as you're like playing the game you're like well when's salon gonna show up i mean get rid of this tia girl <laughs> TikTok, <laughs> TikTok. yeah she serves as a little meta trick by the developers to make you think but he doesn't go out with tia he goes out with salon and makes right. you question up until like did they ch- as you said in the, the last podcast did they change her name or is this a localization thing but no it's just yeah just you haven't met her yet <laughs> Maxim, for the first couple of dungeons, is all by himself, but after the Earthquakes dungeon, where you go to a town and it's being ravaged by earthquakes... His uh, stalker shows up. His... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yes. You run and you defeat the catfish solo. Immediately after that, you find Tia being accosted by some skeletons or something like that. A and... skeleton and a goblin. Yeah. And from that point on, she joins you in your journey. She forces herself on the party. Maximum can say no in his own mind, but she forces herself to go. But thou must. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I have to at least give Maximum props. Like, you know, it's going to be big and scary out there and all these bigger creatures. She's like, I don't care. I'm going to be with you. Let's just go. I have have a frying pan. I'm good to go. (laughs) Would have been hey, perfect if, if she actually used that as her weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Very Chrono Cross. Yes. Hey, if Rapu- yeah, and if Rapunzel from Tangle can use one too, then any girl can use a frying pan in battle. Frying pans are just one of those staple RPG weapons. You know, swords, <laughs> axes, frying pans. It's the Holy Trinity. <laughs> uh, so if we jump to the next character, you meet him a bit later, and that's Guy, who is our first instance of a character who cannot use any magic whatsoever the guy is our tank he is yes. like an essential i love guy on my party a hundred percent i love having guy mm-hmm. guy's a lot of fun uh and you rely on your akira points a lot with him to to use your spells and use stuff like that so he has no mp or magic whatsoever and in battle, as you said, he's he's a tank. He's just very straightforward. I'm going to hit you really hard, and I'm going to take a lot of damage for the team. You put him on the front row, you're good to go. Oh, if you know me. that Rose exists, Kat. <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, yeah. Just to just get everyone caught up, I've played this game dozens of times before. But until I started to stream it, that's when I was more educated. It's like, you know you should move this character up front. And it's like... You can do that. I just left them wherever they were every time I played. I just let them be. And it's so bad because it always puts Tia in the front. It always yeah. puts her in the front. Like was Tia I just know. always dead in your party? Yeah. Well, when it, whenever was needed, yes, yeah, she was always up front. Why do I get the feeling that if 
Tia died in battle, Cat would have just left her dead. Like, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Depending on where we are in the game. I mean, if I have at least Selene on my party, then yeah, she can just chill and take a nap. <laughs> uh, so Guy has two two characters that are uh, related to him. So he has his sister, Hilda, who runs an inn. And he has his I guess not related to him. That'd be awkward. Um, his fiance, <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> I mean, it's a small town, you know. <laughs> Today, but, RPGs. But but at least the relationship that guy has between both his sister and his girlfriend, fiance, are to me very real. Oh yeah. He cares. He, he yeah. cares for his sister just like any big brother should or little brother. I don't know if they ever tell you if he is the older or she is younger i don't know if that is ever mentioned he feels like a younger brother to me okay but still he has that brother that brother instinct to want to protect his sister Mm -hmm. but then also to the deeper level from the few times where guy chats with jesse you can feel the relationship be real like they develop from the girlfriend to the fiance like they have in their time together you don't see it but Mm -hmm. you see how it develops along the way yeah yeah I, I mean, I, I like the way that um, Jesse sort of gives him a hard, hard time, basically constantly, um, and, and so you get that sort of give and take in that relationship that I think ends up sort of being a thing that you see in Maxim and Salon's relationship too. So I think it's cool, it's fun, and it's not just like, oh, please love me. Jess, Jess, you get the impression that Jesse's a strong woman. She's just totally sure of herself. She's not like, a, yeah. oh, I will wait until my beloved comes back to town. Blah blah blah. She seems like her own character, and she's like. You need to do something. I'm not going to be insecure about it. You go save the world or whatever, you know. But uh, after Guy, you, the next party member, and probably one of the second most important after Maxim is Salah. She, she's girl. She top girl. She top bay at yeah. anything <laughs> in this game. She is top girl. Sorry, Tia, down there. Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, she she's like Tia, but like better in every way. She does more damage. She has more of a personality. You know, um, yeah. The, no. the game makes that very clear, doesn't it? Do you not feel like yeah. the game's like, oh, she's Tia, but better? Right. Well, <laughs> well I mean, she's like a, a person. Like, <laughs> does things. The game, too, develops her very well. Like, at first, when you encounter her, she's this big general and commander of this village of where she's from. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want anything to do with others, but is forced upon them. But as she journeys with the party, she actually finds more of her purpose, her love that gets developed for Maximum. It's mm-hmm. uh, she. I think she has the best character development. Oh, I, I really do. And I think that the way that they develop relationship between Maxim and Salam when they really didn't have to develop it as well as they did um, given it was a 96 RPG um, they do a wonderful job of sort of making uh, showing you how those two sort of fit together which makes the ending of the game much more powerful I think and also sort of some midpoint um, moments as well like when they get married Yay! The marriage between Maxim and Salam is so unique I think in your RPGs so unique even till this day you never see a gap where a year is taken or so where they get married, they settle down, they have a life. Yeah, yeah a year a year passes in the game, but for you it's about four minutes and oh, about yeah. forty seconds. <laughs> but it's like a beautiful little montage of like moments um, mm-hmm. where they you know sort of show the personalities and show them settling in. Again, I don't remember any game before that um, doing it that effectively. Oh no, it's 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 very unique and very very well done, very well done, and. They have a child, and it had. They, I mean, you know they have to have a child because in the first game you are the descendant of Maxim and Salan, so you know for a fact they have a kid. But they actually have a child mid game. <laughs> <laughs> they are parents by mid game. They're not very good at naming their kid Jeros. What kind of name is that? <laughs> <laughs> they pulled it out of a hat. They asked all the villagers, "Give us your name ideas, and let's figure out the winner." Here it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and uh, immediately, immediately the baby is kidnapped. <laughs> immediately, yep. uh, it is born, and then it is kidnapped, and that is that is the story of that baby. And then you leave yeah. it. Yep, and then it just the goes away with Tia's. Uh, sorry, it's with um Selene's mom till further notice. Well, her aunt, because her mom and her dad are dead. Yeah, as an extra, there's a whole like tragic undertone to Maxim and Selene's, you know, relationship because you know how it ends. 
Right. But that's still a long time coming. We got more things. But it's also kind of like when you think of Solan's history, her own parents died as well. And then she's going to, you know, it's going to be the same for her kid. It's quite tragic. I've never thought about that. Yeah. Making me sad. No, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> well, by also describing that, that just shows how Solan had that toughness in her because mm-hmm. she didn't have the, her parents around. So that's why she became so strong and hard on herself. But by being around the party maximum, she's eventually been able to soften to become the lovable female character she is in the game. Absolutely. Very well-rounded character and uh, soft and hard and, and just overall just a very positive representation of a, of a woman in a JRPG, especially in these early days. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on, we have the gloriously dumb-witted... <sighs> yes. The best character. <laughs> yes. Dekar. Or, or as I will say, Dakar. Dakar. Dekar, yeah. Dekar. Tomato, tomato. Tomato, yeah. Whatever. He's awesome either way. He is yeah. awesome. Like, whatever you say his name, he is lovable, he is strong, and just overall a pleasure to watch. When we first meet Dekar, uh, you're be- like, he's in a castle, he's like like Solana, he's like a, a general or something, like a captain, mm-hmm. I, I want to say, and uh, monsters are attacking the castle. And he takes care of them all and <laughs> in a very flashy way. <laughs> so uh, there's something later on to discuss. But during that cutscene where you first meet the car yeah. and he's helping defeat those monsters. But the one that survives is a red jelly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he gets the prince to the feet. There was at least a nice hodgepodge of tougher enemies. And yet a red jelly <laughs> survived. Maybe he did it on purpose. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> these jellies are tougher than you think. Oh, but the cores, on the other hand, oh, love the cores. The, the band? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I don't think I because I had to play through this twice because we talked about this in the last podcast. I lost my save data. I don't think I ran into any cores on my first playthrough of this first the half. Cores are cores are very uncommon. Um, yeah. You have. It's a random enemy, but they're very beneficial. You have your red, green, blue, and no cores. You want to find them and try to kill them. Their agility is very fast, though, so you got to be able to kill, even though they have very low defense. I mean, oh, I'm sorry, they have very high defense, so your attacks you have to be strong with, because if you can kill one, two, or all of them, your experience goes off the charts. So think Metal Slimes from Dragon Quest. Yes. Yes. Yes, I, I ran into a couple of them. I think I actually ran into like three in a row at one point. Oh, oh yes, but a lot, a lot of them got away, so I was sad about that. Yeah, they will flee quickly if they can. If not, some will do like their spark spell or whatever they have available. <laughs> but they are a great experience in the game. Yes, so back to Dekar. <laughs> <laughs> Dekar breaks my heart. I love him so much, but he dies. <laughs> I, I didn't see those air quotes, huh? I gotta find those air quotes. Oh my god, is it air quotes? Is he not dead? We can't talk about it yet, can we? No. Oh, is it a mystery? Are we playing with oh my star? God, my heart. Don't play with my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's the best to... character in battle and out of battle. They can't kill him. I, th- I think one thing that I can easily describe the car as, he's the lovable jock. Absolutely. He's all about himself and his sword. That's all he cares about That's... and a few ladies on the side. But other than that, he is a great... Every- my personal favorite character. I cannot top anyone. I mean, the car has a dang gum sword named after him. Yes. Come on. You find a sword in a dungeon called the Dekar sword. They must have known when they made it he was coming. <laughs> <laughs> or the to remember him by. Yeah, then he dies five minutes later, right? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a bad omen. Uh, <sighs> but he's not, he's not just. You know, he's not just an airhead. He's not just the idiot or the joke of the party. I think there's a couple of moments where you get some pathos from him where he seems like a lonely guy. He seems like he's not got anyone in his life other than these fleeting relationships with women. He meets meet some bars or stuff like that. You have a sort of moment with him, I think, at the top of one of the towers where all the girls' boyfriends come and get them after Dekar saved them. 
and yep. he's his life with no one. Yeah, and he has like sort of a wonderful character moment with Tia too. Like, uh, and I can't believe I'm saying wonderful character moment with Tia in the same <laughs> sentence, but um, a really good character moment for him um, when uh, when she's leaving town too, um, when, when she leaves the party toward the end of this part of our playthrough. So yeah, that's he's a great character. Yes. I, I was remembering during when um, Star was just talking about how he's there to save all those girls, and then there's that one little girl, that one like eleven year old girl who was like, "I'll marry you," and then her same eleven year old boyfriend comes like, "Oh no, I forgot, I was already engaged." Bye. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so funny. <laughs> but but it, when you play the game, you will learn why Dakar is a very favorite character amongst uh, us fans mm-hmm. he is very uh he's top notch he's he's my favorite male in the game yes and just like guy he also can't use magic so he's like a sort of other guy that you have he's better yeah, well, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like very slow but stronger yeah i think that's his deal it's also the hair come on that hair is amazing oh he has Yu-Gi-Oh hair yeah <laughs> it defies physics in the best kind of way yeah. <laughs> I mean, but if you look at him compared to the DS game, oh, oh, oh. I, I didn't think we were talking about that game. Every po- every <laughs> any podcast with Lufia too, there will at least be a mention of that. If we don't mention it afterwards. Yes, if we don't mention it, we're going to get emails saying you didn't talk about the DS remake. Bro. Okay, here's well, us next talking time about the on DS Retro remake. Encounter. We will have. <laughs> we will just for clarification, we will not have the DS remake. No. <laughs> Uh, uh, I've not played the DS remake. I've seen YouTube clips of it, but it just doesn't seem like it's true to the spirit. If I could find some way to stream it, I would let you enjoy Mm -hmm. how bad it is. Okay, so make sure to have an eye out for the RPG Fan Twitch channel when Kat might stream the the DS version of Lufia 2. I have to figure out how to do that because the cable for it's expensive, and plus he also had to mod your DS. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so those are up until the halfway point. Those are our main party characters, but there's also a tertiary character that you see quite often in the game, and that's Iris. And Iris is a woman who really starts off your journey way back at the very start when you go into a cave and to defeat some monsters and get a key because they stole the key. Whatever you defeat the you defeat the lizard man, and Iris appears and tells you of a destiny that you have. Maxim has a destiny. And Maxim is all about having a destiny, I think. He's very, oh, a destiny, you say? I'm going off on a journey. Goodbye. I would do the same if some random male or female approached me saying I have a destiny that I need to do. Be like, bye, full-time job. I got my destiny to go after. (laughs) These jellies can hunt themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Iris is a very enigmatic character she's very mysterious uh she you don't know a lot about her in the first half of the game i know next to nothing about her because i have not played the second half of the game and i can only speculate as to what her deal is she mostly appears to save your ass yep. if, if a car if a building is falling down and you're in it or if a, a boss is about to kill you she'll teleport in and then teleport you out <laughs> very do a sex machina <laughs> But once you do play the game more, you find out her true intention. So it, it, it does develop to who she really is. Mm, you may so think she's all nice and good now, but who knows what the future holds? Is she, okay, I'm just guessing. Is she Solan's mom? Because she has like, the same hair guess. color. I, I will say her hair color does change with some frequency. Oh. Or, or, or if you look at a, if you look in a mirror a certain way. Oh. What? Yeah. <laughs> you, you'll see. You will find out. Leona is nodding knowingly. Hmm, quite. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now let's talk about our bad guys. The Sinistrals. Who, at this point, we've only seen one Sinistral. In truth. And, and lackeys. And lackeys. And lackeys. Yeah, and lackeys. <laughs> we can't forget the lackeys. But the big Sinistral we've seen is either Gades or Gades, however you want to pronounce it. I say Gades. Gades. You guys in your pronunciations, but that's okay. I mean, there's more than one way to say something. Exactly. Most of the time. 
And from what, what the sinistral gaieties just seems very destructive. Yep. He comes to cities and he destroys them, and he likes destroying things. I, I was going to compare more of their sprites. When you actually play the game and see these sinistral sprites, and then you go into battle, you honestly question yourself, like, <laughs> how does this become that? Yes, my favorite thing about the sprites is when, I don't think they animated, like, a, a, a back spike for Gades, so at one point he's walking backwards and it's very awkward. It, <laughs> Like you're like backing him into a corner totally, but like it just seems like a very awkward sprite movement with this giant sprite just like fumbling around tra- backwards. <laughs> I mean, when I looked at um Gage's sprite, I always thought it was like some weird skull with red flowing hair and big armor, mm-hmm. but then when you actually see him in person, it's like, oh, he is actually human, <laughs> yeah, he's humanoid, yeah, it's yes. huge though, a very, very large human, yes. Yeah. Now, when we're talking about Gates, I might as well ask both Star and Zach, did any of you ever try to defeat him on the first encounter? Oh, I tried. I failed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I've i never done it. I know you get like a nice reward from it, um, yeah, but it, uh, I, that wasn't happening for me. Yeah. Usually, on average, from what I've seen other players do it, I haven't done it personally myself as well, but if you're able to kill Gates, you actually get the Gates Blade. And the Gades Blades, um, Akira Points is the, uh, I think it's Octoslash, which attacks an enemy eight times. It is random oh if there's a large God. thing of enemies on there. If there's like four, it'll randomly attack one of the four. But that's why a lot of people, if they can do the punishment of about 10 plus minutes of defeating Gades, you get the Gades Blade. That sounds very strong. I mean, do you have to be at, like, a certain level? Uh, I mean, it seems like seen... impossible. It wiped me, like, on the first turn, so yeah. I don't know how possibly beat I've seen people do it probably about between the levels of 14 to 18. The biggest thing is, I believe, the speedy ring. You need you need to mainly need Selene to attack first so she can mm-hmm. heal the party before Gades can. If you can get her agility higher than Gades, you have potential. That makes sense, okay. yeah. If she can okay. just constantly keep everyone topped up and he keeps putting them low. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I mean, I imagine like lowering his stats helps a lot. Like taking his strength and speed down from like mm-hmm. Ikea points would be helpful. It's a it's a true achievement. I will admit, anyone that does go that length to defeat Gates in the first round, I do applaud you on that because that is not an easy feat. So, are you applauding yourself right now? No, <laughs> no, no, like I said, I have not personally done it because I just want to get for, go to the story. I don't want to spend my time. I'd uh-huh. rather take my chances getting the Gades Blades for the Ancient Cave than just doing it against Gades. I'd rather keep my sanity, I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Gades, as, an, as you said, very, isn't the most interesting. He seems very one-dimensional from what we see. But his lackeys, or two of his lackeys, seem to have some personality about them. Uh, Camus and Adura. Adura, I will never forgive. <laughs> he my... stole my baby! <laughs> he took my boy! There's a very strong rivalry between Dekar and Adura from the time that you know them, and it, it culminates in the death of Dekar and Adura. Adura just don't die. He comes back as a ghost and kills Dekar. It's very unfair. <laughs> Question mark? Question mark. Oh my god, I'm so interested. <laughs> sorry. You're killing me, yeah, you're killing me. I'm sorry! You're killing me. Asterix, do you want instead? <laughs> uh, uh, is there any other characters that we've dis- not discussed that we want to talk about? I mean, we just mentioned Kamu for a second, but all he is is just, He's you just gotta defeat guy. him and... Yeah, just guy. defeat him and his lackeys. Mm-hmm. Even though Buster Blaster is a pain in my butt. I will admit I hate that Buster Blaster, except it does feel my Akira point gauge very well, so yes. props on that. Yes, it's very good for filling up the healing bar. Well, I'll yeah. go ahead and discuss one of everybody's favorite early enemies or bosses. It's the Tarantula. Oh, we Mr. all love and adore him. Mr. Spider Bro. <laughs> yes, our Spider Bro, sure. <laughs> But I, I think the tarantula is a very good point in the game, as early as it is, to tell you how strong you really are. Yes. It's a big test. Yes. Uh, you, as Zach said, you need the, you should get the fire dagger. Uh, you have to climb a whole tower again to get the fire dagger, but it is worth it. 
because yeah. it deals the Akira points does three times fire damage, which just so happens to be what the tarantula is weak against. And yes. it, it teaches you the as as Kat was saying, teaches you that this game isn't messing around sometimes, you know. <laughs> And I mean, some people would never have wanted to go back in that tower. It's like, do I really want whatever these three chests are? Is it really worth my time? I don't trust, save I don't trust a person who doesn't want to go back for those three chests that seem just yeah. crying out. That's not a person I want to know. You probably shouldn't play RPGs <laughs> no. if you don't want to. <laughs> go play Call of Duty or something. It's not yeah. a game for But you. it's going to ruin my speed run if I go back. <laughs> but it'll hurt your soul more. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, like, the tarantula is probably one of my favorite early enemy bosses is because, like I said, it tells you how strong you really are, how well you know that an enemy's weakness, plus being able to endure a good battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so other notable bosses that I can think of are the clowns. There's there's two clowns that you fight. And... Dan- Danielle <laughs> and I think it's Pierce. Yeah, okay. Pierce. Okay. And they all stuck out to me because I remember being like, how am I supposed to beat them? Because you, if, yep. if you kill the one of the left, it respawns. If you kill the one on the right, it respawns. But then eventually you have a little cutscene outside saying, why don't we both try and take care of them together? And you split your party in half. But of course, it's Salon who comes up with the plan because she yeah. is amazing. She's a well, it's also, too, when you do split up, you got to remember to switch your items and or have the people with the right spells. Uh-huh. It makes it so much quicker if you do. Yeah, so you have to make sure you have the cold rapier and the fire dagger on the right person. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. So hopefully on your first battle with the clans, you realize what their weaknesses were and you're equipped accordingly. Yeah. Correct. I mean, they do have the decent um, spells of Fireball and also Blizzard. So, I mean, they can come back at you pretty decently. So, unless you're prepared, it's a good battle as well. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Is there any bosses you can think of? The Tarantula, really. The tarantula we already talked about it. Spider Bro gets some love. Yeah, the first time I fought the Tarantula, I didn't have the Fire Dagger, and I got Party Wipe like three times, and I'm like, I... I, I know I'm good at RPGs. Why why can't can I win this fight? And then I remember like Cat was like, "Hey, uh, there's like this fire dagger that you should probably go get." I'm like, "Oh, okay." I still then can't I believe that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and then so like many years first later, afterwards. it's like I'll always go back now. Yep, uh, I just forgot. So after defeating Gades and uh, the death of Dekar and the marriage of Salan and Maxim, that really takes up the whole end of the middle of the game. And that's really where we're up to at this moment. Uh, yes. So you're, where I ended it, we're, we've just lost Dekar and we're, we're kind of mourning, but we're ready to move on with new found Vim and Vigor to defeat the Sinistrals who are this imp- impending threat upon the world. Uh, so... I have a final question for you guys, and I want to know, from the first half of the game, what has been your favourite moment? Who wants to start with their favourite moment from the first half of the game? I can start I can if you start. guys want. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's the it's the marriage of uh, Maxim and Salon. Yes. No, no question. Uh, I think it's really sweet. Um, I love um, the way they uh, honor the characters, but it also like sort of shows their personality and their sort of their loving relationship in that mm-hmm. circumstance. I mean, outside of like Cecil and Rosa in Final Fantasy IV, I can't think of another relationship in an RPG at that time which really got developed that well. Um, and the development is even better in the second half, but I think that the sweetness of that moment is really important. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the one moment that I remembered. I hadn't played it for like 20 years before replaying it now, but I remembered that moment because I thought yeah. it was really sweet. It's just something very cool about having a husband and wife in the party together, you know, yeah. kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like yeah. adults, maybe it's the older I get. Sort but... of act like adults, which is still too rare in RPGs. Yeah, it's really rare. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, it maybe it's the older I get. But I'm just like, bring dad in, bring mom in, get a whole family party going <laughs> in here, you know? Right. Why do they have to die? Get everybody in in the final party, you know? <laughs> I'd yeah. love to see an RPG fa- like where it's the like it's a whole family, you know? Like you spread Dragon Quest Five if you haven't. Okay, well, you know, I've tried. I've tried to turn my hand at Dragon Quest a few times, and I've just come to accept that it's not for me. Oh, five <laughs> is so good. If you want a family, you get the whole family in Dragon. So Lucy's going to delete this podcast now because I said. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> you had to say something. Just had so, to say. knows what's up. Time out. This is Solosi. Leona, you should play Dragon Quest Five. I won't delete the podcast this time.
time in. <laughs> what about you, Kat? What's your favorite moment from the first half well, of the game? We've we've already covered a lot of moments, mm-hmm, and I'm I'm honestly going to divert myself of the reason why I keep on coming back to the game. Yes, it's the ancient cave people. A hundred percent. That is we, in the first half. If you want it, it to be, is, right? that's yeah. why that's why we're discussing it right now. Cat's <laughs> <laughs> so, got the technicalities. I gotta do it. <laughs> so pretty much, the ancient cave in itself is a hundred floors of random RNG generated. Um, uh, what chest to monsters, but the overall purpose of you going through this dungeon is to get to the hundredth floor. And would you believe what the enemy is at the bottom? What do, What do you think it is? What could it be? Uh, jelly, the dragon, right? Well, no, no, Star was right. It's actually it's a, a giant red oh jelly. Oh it God. is a giant yeah. red jelly. Is that the jelly um, that lived against Decker? <laughs> <laughs> it could be seeking vengeance. Yes. But the the property that makes the ancient cave fun, a few of it, um, there are blue chests. Blue chests are usually only through main game for keys and key items. But the blue chests in the ancient cave are rare items you'll never get in other possibilities. So from that, you can get some of the more powerful weapons, such as I mentioned earlier, the Gage Blade, Spark Staff, the Fry Sword, the Blade Sword. There's a whole plethora of great blue chest potentials. Plus, you also get rare accessory drops, such as the Gold Eye, Gogon Eye, Water Jewel, Mm -hmm. things along those lines that give you great um, Akira skills to use against the enemies. But mainly the gauntlet of going down a hundred floors is the gambling of the game for me. It is what has always kept me coming back is to see how far I can get, how much I really actually hate the game, but I will never admit it because I actually love the game. How much of the times I've died during the assassins when they have those one hit kills and wipe out my party and I have no miracles. Because when you also enter the cave, you don't go in with any of your weapons, any of your stuff, unless you have gone through the cave before and kept your blue chest items. Mm-hmm. In the first 20 floors, you will keep on grinding until after the 20th floor into the 20th floor into the 21st, you will look for Providence. Providence is your automatic escape no matter where you are in the cave. Mm-hmm. So from that, you can go as far as you want until you use Providence or until you die. So say you got something great from a blue chest or chest along the way, but you realize, oh, I'm under level because you also gain your um, spells from these chests. So you could be on the second floor and already learn champion. And you're like, oh my gosh, I have the best healing spell besides Valor to resurrect my party members. Yeah. But it's spells, it's um, random jewels and accessories, uh, helmets, swords, anything can be found in these chests throughout the game inside the ancient cave. So there's your gambling and your addiction of wanting to go deeper and want to get through these hundred floors. But it's also precautioning your levels, where you're currently at, what kind of monsters are going to be approaching. Because some monsters are only only will appear in the ancient cave and not anywhere else in the game Mm -hmm. so knowing that it wants you to keep on going down deeper and eventually getting to the giant red jelly to the feet so (laughs) i mean when when you actually get down to it it's super badly pixelated like it takes (laughs) up the whole screen but it's so badly pixelated (laughs) that sounds charming in its own way But the ancient cave is very dear and near to my heart and a lot of fans out there. That's why if you ever really see Lufia in a stream, the ancient cave is probably the guilty pleasure of what you will see the people streaming it for. How but long does it actually take to do, if, would you if say? You, if you speed run it, it can be done in an hour. Because, like I said, the floors are RNG, so you can actually go from one staircase to another, and it's only one floor. There's no doors, no nothing, and there's another staircase right there. Yeah. Okay. But you also have to be prepared with the right items. Because the biggest item you want to make sure you can have is either the Gaze Blade, because with the high Akira points, you get the eight hits at once. Because with the Giant Red Jelly, you only have three turns to defeat it. If you don't, you lose. Oh, my God. Oh. So that's the challenge, but then also too a great thing you can find in one of the more in the red chest is the Dakar blade because the Dakar blade gets I believe first strike and also attacks for I think three something three times or three something. Oh, so I know it's very huge to have, but the ancient cave is a pivotal point in the game of why I keep coming back to it. That's it's great. Uh, do you get to keep the items from the ancient cave or only? 
Only blue chests. Only blue chests. They're the only ones that you get to take with you. Got it. Correct. Yes. Yeah, it's like a, it's, it's like a roguelike. Yeah, it's just, it's like uh, it's very like if you've ever been addicted to a roguelike, like, I've got to do one more run. You know, you know what the ancient cave is. That well, also to yeah. the ancient cave, I have to give it props of it, its uniqueness because Final Fantasy XIV Online adapted a similar style to it because oh. of the reference from Lufia to the ancient cave. So when you're doing that whole gauntlet of going down those floors and the bosses and and whatnot, it's it's mainly gave respect to what Lufia 2 had it to incorporate it. So that's another reason why I love the Ancient Cave. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's one of the first, like, major, like, post-game type challenges from an RPG, too. I think it's one of the things that distinguishes it, too. I mean, I've never done it, because no thanks, but... um... (laughs) But but, by mentioning... By mentioning post-game, if you defeat the game once and you play again, you get all your characters back. So from that, you can actually go into the ancient cave and have any one of your party you want. So you can actually have to you and anyone else you would prefer to care for than going through it. So it's worth So you playing. mean I can have Dakar. Yes, good. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100% you can. Or you can play him before he mysteriously vanishes. You're killing me. <laughs> um. Play the game and you'll find out more. I'm glad it was what will bring us to episode part two of Lufia Two. So I think that's it, guys. I think we've talked all we can talk about the first half of Lufia Two. You didn't mention your favorite part. Oh well, I was going to mention the wedding, but I knew that would be a a, a hotly <laughs> hotly contested favorite. That's why I jumped in quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew nobody was going near mine, so it's like I'm right, good. Yeah. So if I'm not going, if I, I'll go for a very small part of the game that just made me laugh, and it's yeah. when when we first meet Deckard and the red jelly survives, and then the prince of that castle rushes out and is like, "Show me the villain! I will take care of the villain!" And this little <laughs> red jelly flies comes up to the prince and he's like, "I will kill you!" And the, all all his like servants are like, "Oh, quite right, sir. You can take care of that jelly." And he's like, "Hang on!" kills the jelly and everyone applauds the prince and you could tell that it was like a hard fight for him too yeah totally like like it took everything out of him it's like oh that was a tough villain but i have defeated him it's just that that prince makes me like i love that prince i can defend his kingdom now go away oh quite quite right sire quite right so yeah Uh, apart from the wedding i'd say that little moment that little character just makes me smile Aw, that's sweet. Give some love to the prince. Yeah, little prince I can't remember the name of. I also really love all the really doofy castle guards who are like asleep and don't have any idea what's happening. so bad. Everyone's so bad at their job. No wonder the Sinistrals are ready to destroy the world. (laughs) No one's prepared. I mean, I'll I'll at least send off a nice little uh, give uh, Bertie and Bart some love. I know we Uh didn't mention really much about them, but they're the Jesse and James of the game. Pretty much Jesse and James. Stealing cards. (laughs) Very... <laughs> they're they're inept, but they're not as inept as the guards, so it works out. Lufia <laughs> <laughs> two, a study in ineptitude. Yes, <laughs> that will be our sub subline for the the podcast. A study in ineptitude. <laughs> uh, well. Thanks so much, you two, for joining me in this podcast, and especially for doing two of them on the first part of Lufia Two. I've, I've had great fun talking about this game, and especially well, when you, you have guys. a subject that you love and you're passionate uh-huh. about, of course you want to be here and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine a better couple to talk about this game with. <laughs> uh, so we'll move into housekeeping now. So coming up on Retro Encounter, we have a spoiler cast for the much anticipated game Kingdom Hearts Three. And I'll so be on that one too. You'll be on that one. Awesome. Yep. I reviewed it for the site. So, oh, yeah. well, that nice. makes sense. Uh, I, I think that's a highly anticipated one. And also, after that, we'll have two episodes on East Oath of Felgana in April. Uh, and please look forward to them as well. Please rate us on your podcast service of choice. And you can find us on social media and email us any feedback or you know, general general love is accepted, you know. Whatever you want to say, nice things, you know. <laughs> I'll accept them. Uh, <laughs> retro at rpgfan.com. Uh, what about personal social medias? Cat, uh, what is your social medias? You can also plug the Twitch channel. Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, twitch.tv 
TV slash the Nerdy Cat, so you can see me streaming this game. I try to get more consistent schedules. I'm working on it, but Lufia 2 isn't automatic. You can find me playing it when I do. I mean, um, even though by the time this podcast goes out mid-March, you will have finished it, but you can. I, I, I have a feeling you could always bet at some point you playing Lufia 2 on the stream. There's <laughs> like a 50-50 chance. Of course, I'm telling you, the Ancient Cave is a purpose for it. The Ancient Cave alone, I can stream it and fans will love it. <laughs> uh, where can, and what, uh, oh, sorry. What other social medias can we find you on? Uh, you can find me through Instagram as well. Instagram slash the Nerdy Cat Two. It's about the most common ones. And Twitter slash. I think it's actually Cat Nerdy K A T T Nerdy because I think someone already took the other one. I'm not sure, <laughs> but Dan, just look for my face somewhere out there in Cyberland, and you can find me too. That's great. Uh, what about you, Zach? Where can we find you? Um, I'm Zach W on Discord, and you can also get me at uh, Zach W at RPGFan.com. I forgot about Discord. Now you know my min the picture people. You just find me there. <laughs> uh, and I'm Leona McCallum. You can find me at Star Mongoose on Twitter, and I also run the Discord channel for our the, well, the Discord server for RPG Fan, and I am Star Mongoose on there. So that brings it to a close, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you replay Lufia 2 soon because it's such a gem and it'd be a shame that no one plays it because it is such a good game. I um, mean, you gotta dish out some good money if you are uh, if you want the physical copy, at least a yes. nice 80. So ask, ask your mom and dad <laughs> <laughs> very nicely. Or your, your, your partner for Valentine's Day or something. I'm excited for part two though. I can't wait. Yes. yes. Uh, so please join us for part two. Goodbye.